Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. What's going on, guys? It is Sunday, December 17th, and that means it's time for Long Read Sunday. Before we get into that, however, if you're enjoying The Breakdown, please go subscribe to it, give it a rating, give it a review, or if you want to dive deeper into the conversation, come join us on the Breakers Discord. You can find a link in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash breakdown pod. Well, friends, the big theme right now is, I think, on the one hand, the last gasp frustration efforts of the anti-crypto army to drag us back and really use the plights and pains of the last couple years to bring the industry down, while at the same time, the market side of things, the investor side of things, the institutional side of things is marching relentlessly ahead. So we're going to read a piece that has to do with each of those sides of the equation, and we're kicking it off with a fire little piece from former IRS Commissioner Charles Reddig called IRS Digital Assets Plan Would Be a Setback for Taxpayer Services. Former Commissioner Reddig says, Proposed IRS tax reporting rules for digital assets are antithetical to the agency's mission to provide quality taxpayer services for all Americans and enforce tax laws fairly and efficiently. It's important that U.S. tax rules are updated to fairly capture new innovations in finance, and cryptocurrency is no exception. But instead of collecting relevant transaction data, this expansive rule would set a dangerous precedent, capturing consumer data at a scale that would undermine IRS capacity to perform essential functions with harmful consequences for taxpayer services. When Congress passed the Infrastructure and Jobs Act in 2021, the law included a provision requiring the IRS to establish digital asset tax reporting rules aimed at capturing taxable transactions, similar to existing requirements for traditional finance. There's no question this is a necessary update to our tax laws and supports effective and efficient tax administration. By some estimates, the non-compliance rate for taxpayers with digital assets is 75% or more, representing by itself a potential tax gap of billions of dollars in lost revenue for the U.S. To solve this problem, we need to provide clear and reasonable rules for brokers and consumers mandating reporting of certain digital asset transactions. But current proposals go well beyond this need and establish reporting requirements with no comparison to traditional finance. The rules consider nearly every digital asset transaction to be a potentially taxable event, suggesting that billions more transactions in digital assets need to be reported for tax purposes than shared now by traditional finance brokers. The volume of data this would generate for the IRS would overwhelm the agency and have little or no value to effective and efficient tax administration. At best, an untold amount of staff and technological resources would be tasked with processing billions upon billions of data points, most of them irrelevant to payers' tax obligations. At worst, the agency may not be able to absorb all of that data required under the proposed rules in a reasonable time, creating a backlog of everyday tax returns with unreasonable processing times. This would undermine the mission of the IRS to provide quality customer service at a moment when the agency has been successfully improving on these essential duties. Under either circumstance, the time and resources spent will have grave repercussions for taxpayer services, as well as hinder the IRS's ability to focus resources on essential work such as pursuing wealthy non-filers, those involved in potentially abusive transactions, and other forms of non-compliance. The breadth of the proposed rules also raises significant privacy concerns. Digital assets serve numerous purposes, many of which go well beyond the traditional contours of finance. Under the rule as proposed, the IRS would receive reports, including each and every consumer transaction using digital assets, even if they don't have a financial or investment purpose. Imagine if every credit card swipe for a cup of coffee or copay at a doctor's office were reported to the government. This is exactly the kind of superfluous information that would be captured under the new proposed digital asset rules, and is a precedent for invasion of consumers' personal financial privacy that we don't want to set. 
Taxpayer trust in the capabilities of the Treasury Department and the IRS is essential to the country's financial infrastructure. As IRS Commissioner, I took this to heart. We secured critical funding of a net of almost $60 billion over 10 years to improve staffing, customer service calls, processing efficiency, compliance, technology, and core functions. Continued progress on these fronts should be an unquestioned goal for the Treasury and IRS. There must be a modern comprehensive reporting system for digital assets that is fair and reasonable and creates parity with reporting systems in traditional finance. But as written, the proposed rules far exceed this mandate and will hurt efforts to improve other critical IRS operations, including taxpayer services, enhanced compliance efforts, and the agency's basic ability to fulfill its core mission. Now, the response to this from the D.C. crypto establishment was very impressed. Consensus lawyer Bill Hughes writes, A remarkable op-ed by former IRS commissioner stating unequivocally that the IRS crypto reporting proposed rules as written far exceed their congressional mandate, precisely what the industry has been saying in its comments to Treasury. Send this to your elected representatives if you are a U.S. blockchain software developer who does not want tax reporting obligations to crush your project. Crypto Tax Guy writes, Bravo to former IRS Commissioner Rettig for rightly criticizing the proposed crypto broker reporting regs. Adam Cochran writes, I sum up the viewpoint of nearly all industry professionals like this. While anti-crypto folks claim we want no laws, we're supportive of fair and equal treatment under the law. That just means we need fair and equal treatment under the law. When financial professionals and regulators repeatedly tell you the rules being applied to crypto are unfair, draconian, and not beneficial to their enforcement mandate, then it should be clear that the goal is to stamp out this industry for the benefit of the banking system. When the U.S. fails to regulate new tech in a fair and equal manner to the existing system, they invite China and other state actors to expand their global influence by correctly adopting this technology. Every unfair and costly burden you put on U.S. startups brings you one step closer to a world where global debt is priced in the digital yuan. Because while you and I prefer dollars, a lot of the world isn't as picky, and is getting less picky by the day. Finally, as GC at A16Z Miles Jennings puts it, what else is there to say when the IRS commissioner from one year ago writes this about the IRS's rule expansion for broker reporting? The tide, my friends, is turning and in a great direction. But now we jump over to the market side with a piece from Greg Magadini, who is a CFA and the director of derivatives at Amber Data. Greg's piece is called Why 2023 is Like 2020 and Bitcoin is Set to Head Towards 50K. Greg writes, Bitcoin has recently achieved new highs in 2023, but there is a question lingering. Is the market overextended, and have we reached the pinnacle of enthusiasm? We can gain insight into these inquiries by examining the positioning of the crypto options market. The most apt comparison to Q4 2023 is the rally we saw in Q4 2020. In fact, by superimposing Bitcoin returns for both years, we can discern a strikingly similar narrative unfolding. At present, the implied volatility of options, which represents an investor's bet on Bitcoin's future realized volatility, is hovering near its 2023 peak, primarily driven by the buying of call options. This could indicate the market is already factoring in the explosive upside potential that we're all hoping for. Nevertheless, when we look back at the implied volatility of Bitcoin over the past four years, it remains relatively subdued, implying that Bitcoin hasn't yet demonstrated the explosive rally it is historically capable of. When Bitcoin surged in Q4 2020, the accompanying option volatility peaked at around 150%, whereas today it stands at approximately 50%. We can also draw a comparison between the historical futures basis today and that of January 1st, 2020. Back then, the futures base on Deribit was 20% annualized, equivalent to 17 times the 10-year risk-free rate. Today, the futures basis is around 10%, or 2.4 times the equivalent risk-free rate. These substantial disparities between now and 2020 don't necessarily forecast higher spot prices, 
but they do suggest that potential buying power is still largely on the sidelines. Finally, it's crucial to note that the implied volatility option traders are willing to pay is closely tied to the actual volatility that Bitcoin is experiencing, or realized volatility, which has hit new lows in 2023. The connection is often referred to as the variance risk premium, and it has been widening since mid-October. Recently, options traders have consistently been willing to pay a significant premium over realized volatility in Bitcoin, anticipating the possibility of explosive movements. We're currently witnessing an especially pronounced implied volatility kink higher for the January option expiration month. This reflects the anticipation that the SEC will approve or deny spot Bitcoin ETFs, causing markets to move. The forward volatility, or the actual implied volatility differential price between the December 29th expiration and the January contract, currently resides around 57% a 12-point premium of about 30-day realized volatility of 45%. The situation either suggests that option buyers are making incorrect and overpriced bets, or that substantial volatility in Bitcoin will not only continue, but grow larger. Back to NLW here. Hold aside all of the market analysis in there and all of the numbers, frankly, and let's just talk vibe. The feel right now is absolutely of a spring that is getting increasingly coiled. There is so much anticipation heading into January, where everyone expects this slate of spot Bitcoin ETFs to be approved. It feels to me like markets are finally pricing that in, and it sounds like from Greg's piece that professional traders are ready for some big move in either direction, depending on what happens. It is almost palpable, and I think that almost whatever happens with price after the approval of those spot Bitcoin ETFs, the anticipated approval, should it happen, will be the culmination and reversal of the last two years of pain and a signal that we are truly in the next phase. That is an exciting thing to think about this holiday season. All right, friends, that is going to do it for today's breakdown. Appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.